Hi, I'm Donald Miller, and I am excited to announce for the very first time on this podcast, we just released a brand new webinar. It's called Why Customers Really Buy. And I promise your customers aren't buying from you for the reasons that you think. There are specific reasons human beings make purchases, and I share them in this webinar. If you've got a great product or service, but sales are slower than you'd like, don't miss this webinar. You'll discover two paradigm-shifting insights that will transform your marketing this week. You can put this to practice this week. Register now to eliminate the marketing confusion that's confusing your business. The process of watching this webinar is really simple. One, register for the webinar at whycustomersbuy.com. Two, gather a few coworkers to watch the webinar with you. This is going to stimulate really serious and great conversation that will ultimately help you execute a better marketing and sales strategy. Three, learn the two key insights that will transform your marketing this week. To get started, go to whycustomersbuy.com. Stop struggling with sales and start connecting with customers. Register for this free webinar at whycustomersbuy.com. Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. It's December 19th, so JJ, Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! <laughs> it's Christmas week. Oh. It's exciting. We have our Christmas party coming up. Yes. We're taking a staff trip to Chicago. I know. It's going to be really great. <laughs> it was a great year, so we're going to have a lot of fun this year. Yes. You love Christmas. You're a Christmas junkie. That's kind of an understatement. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like I go above and beyond like decorating. I have traditions. When did your tree go out? The day after Thanksgiving. Like, you do not break Thanksgiving. You have Thanksgiving, which is also, I'm a very big Thanksgiving person. Yeah. Uh, but the day after Thanksgiving is when you can start listening to music, and that's when the tree- Not before. And when I say the tree, I mean the two trees went up. You, you did two trees. Two trees. Yep. I could have done third, but I was stopped. So, <laughs> and that's, again, this is, that's not for show. I literally. We've got to do three. this. We've actually got to do this tonight. That's, you know, I went and got the tree this afternoon. I have this old Volkswagen thing. And I you throw go a tree to- in the back of it. And I had like two hours today. I had to run get the tree. Betsy and I take this picture in front of the thing with the tree hanging out the back of it. And we, we're going to do this tonight. Oh we have like goodness. two hours. We're literally going to just take the box of ornaments. I'm going to get a ladder. I'm going to just dump them on top of the tree. Oh, my gosh. You need me. You need me. This is why God sent me into your life. We're probably going to listen to, a, I don't know, a little Metallica, a little tree decorating, so heart, me, heavy metal. So help me, Donald. I am. You do not mess with my Christmas traditions here. I'm more Christmassy than Betsy. Really? Yeah. She could take the family on a cruise for Christmas. <laughs> she wasn't a, three years ago we got no. married. I'm like, oh, we gotta get a, we gotta put a wreath up, Mm-mm. we gotta do this. I have ornaments that this is not a joke, and handmade ornaments that were passed down to me by my great grandmother. Yeah. Um, handmade, beaded felt ornaments, and that goes on one tree. Yeah. Then stockings, which my aunt quilted by hand that also are hung by the chimney with care. Yeah. And then we have a Holland tree, a tree from ornaments from Holland. Yeah. And then another tree that is just decorated like 
pretty with blue and silver and candy yeah, canes. That's important. <laughs> well, we have a Christmas gift for yes. our listeners. We actually brought in our friend Al Andrews. Oh, he's a Christmas author, Al. if you will. Yeah, not and if you has, will. He is. He is. Yeah, yeah he's he is got, a Christmas he's got like author. a best-selling Christmas book. He's written an unpublished story. Yeah, and he is debuting it at the end. of of this yeah, podcast. just for our listeners. As a side uh-huh. business gift uh-huh. to our community, we want to take a little bit of time, because we are going to get to Christmas. Yeah. We, we want to take a little bit of time and talk about something you can do at the end of the year or the beginning of next year, and yeah. that is create a survey, yeah. an end-of-year survey, to find out what's really going on in your business. Now, a yeah. lot of businesses, again, probably 70%, 85% of our businesses are sub-$5 million companies. Mm-hmm. They're just at this point where they're thinking, what's next? What do I need to do? I would say incorporate a survey into your business practice. Yes. You need a feedback loop mm-hmm. just to find out what your customers are thinking. And David Kinneman is the king of surveys. surveys He's yeah. the president of Barna Group. <laughs> he has surveyed over a million people. He is a best-selling author. He is a data nut. Yeah. We interview David in a second. But before yeah. that, I thought we've got to sell this to yeah. our listeners because yeah. I think it's going to help people grow their yep. business. We do surveys. When somebody comes to a story brand marketing workshop, not much later, a few days later, they get a survey and we ask questions and we talk about the answers to those questions and we adjust our business strategy, our customer service based on the answers to those surveys. Mm -hmm. But that was evidence of this idea that there are blind spots in our businesses. And you have to talk to your customers in order to to see. And if if we are disconnected, especially for leaders, and I know a lot of leaders, if you're disconnected from the feedback loop of what your customers are saying about your products, you're probably going to miss something sooner or later. Yeah. I know people are going to want tangible answers. They're going to want examples of questions. I just want to read you the survey that we send out after people attend our marketing workshop, because there's a few ways you can use a survey. One is the end of your survey that we're talking about. The second is you need to automate a survey that goes out after somebody buys your product. You don't have to hit everybody, but we need to hit some people. You also need to read those surveys. I know a lot of people yeah. who did all this work and they never read them. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, you gotta read and them. some of it may be harsh. <laughs> actually some of it may be yeah, actually may be real harsh. To, well, you David read talks it. about that. Really? He talks about a $100,000 survey that a company knew they needed to take. They discovered that if they did the survey, it was going to give them answers they didn't want to hear. Uh-huh. And so they said, we don't want to do it. And he said, I'll do it for five grand. And they said, we still don't want to do it. And he said, listen, I'll do it for free. You because you have this. high blood pressure, yeah. and I'd like for you to see it. <laughs> yeah. And they said, we're not interested. <gasps> they just didn't really? want to hear the bad news. Wow. There you go. All right. <laughs> Let me just give you some sample questions that we use in a survey that we send out after somebody buys their product. So mm-hmm. a different kind of survey, but here's one. First name, last name, gender, age, right? Under 25, 26 to 35, 36. You do that however you want. You want to find out male, female, how old people are, get your demographics yep. down. Basic demographics. Where do you live? And we have all 50 states uh, listed there or outside the United States. And then how did you travel to StoryBrand? Because this is important. You know, If they're getting on an airplane or whatever, we need to hit people a little earlier if they have to make travel plans. Also, it makes the workshop more expensive, so we have to think about those kinds of things. Yep. And then more about you. Uh, how large is your business in annual revenue? And so that's why we know that we have so many sub five million dollar companies because we ask these questions. And you know, under two hundred fifty thousand, two hundred fifty to one point five million, and so on, all the way up to larger than a billion. Then we want the company name, the job title to find out where they fit. How did you hear about Story Brown? Mm-hmm. Now, now this is an essay question. So if they come back and say, "I heard about it on Facebook," or a friend told me about it, well, let's just talk about that. If somebody says, I heard about it on Facebook, we know that we want to increase our Facebook presence because that's where people are mm-hmm. hearing about it. But if I heard about it from a friend, 
then we want to be able to somehow incentivize or give people tools to use to spread word about StoryBrand yep. because that's already happening. Yep. What made you want to come? And that's a big one. What made you want to come? We're going to highlight whatever that is in our advertising because it's working. If we hear 10 times, I wanted to come because I wanted a better website or I wanted yeah. to come because I have to give a keynote or I wanted to come because my team feels so disunified. They don't even know what the mission is of the organization because StoryBrand will help you do all those things. We can angle our marketing collateral toward that. Do that. Then we actually rate how much they enjoyed it. So these are the mm-hmm. parts where we say, what do we need to work on? Effectiveness of email communication from the StoryBrand staff, time to process the material while at the workshop, Uh, how would you rate your overall experience at the workshop, how likely are you to recommend the StoryBrand workshop to a coworker, friend, or family member? Mm -hmm. That question, by the way, is pivotal. It's the most important question on the survey. David Kinneman, in the interview that we're about to do, is going to explain why that is the most important question on the survey. It is your blood pressure test. Interesting. Are they going to tell anybody about it? Yeah. Uh, it's, It's fascinating. What would you tell someone when recommending the StoryBrand workshop? What can we do to make the workshop better? And then follow up, would you be interested in a facilitator walking your team through a private workshop? Would you be interested in a consultation about a commercial or any other video content? Would you like to know how to get a version of the StoryBrand online course? Those are the kinds of questions that you want to ask Mm -hmm. in the actual workshop. And it's been a huge service to us. You also want to create a feedback loop. It's no good just to do the survey. The answers to the survey need to be reviewed with people who have agency to make changes to yeah. either marketing collateral, business strategy, mm-hmm. or customer service. So we all need to be sitting around. We have a living room here at yep. our office, and we sit around the living room. But we talk about what customers are saying, and we improve on our service. And yeah. because of that, we're rated extremely high in yeah. customer satisfaction. And we've seen numbers go up because we've made changes right. based on those responses. So we don't just like put this together and go, oh, well, we did well or didn't do well. We sit around a table in sometimes in very harsh kind of moments and yeah. and listen to the vulnerability and the rawness of these answers yeah. and then go, okay, we may disagree and say, no, we delivered a higher quality product than what they think we did. We go, no, this is what they said. We're going to respond to this and make some changes. And we've made some pretty significant tangible changes. Yeah. Even and after the last JJ, one. you have. I'm <laughs> looking at you. you no, you, but you yeah. did. You, there were some things that we, you know, people didn't feel like they had enough time to process the yeah. material. Yep. And so we added a lunch where facilitators are at the lunch yep. and we can eat together and we talk about your company. We give them an extra company. hour and a half to two hours to actually process through with people and work through the process based on that feedback where people said, we didn't have enough time. Yeah. So we actually said, all right, don't go out to lunch. We will provide lunch for you here and we will sit and coach anybody who wants to be coached yeah. through this. And we, we also noticed, I would have never thought about this because I'm, I'm kind of an introvert. I'm a teaching personality. I, I just assume people want to hear me teach, right, for yeah. 16 hours. <laughs> and we discovered that people actually also like talking to each other. And so we incorporated a dinner and all these kinds of yeah. things that allow people to get to know each other, to get to know their peers. We would have never understood any of that without that a survey. Mm-hmm. So on your task list for the end of year or beginning of year, and it's one you want to follow through on, create a survey. Get it out to your customers. I like end-of-year surveys. I like post-purchase surveys. Yep. And then David talks about another survey, a third kind of survey that I think is fascinating, and it's a survey to your team. Yeah. So you give them an anonymous way to give feedback about their experience. One of the great questions you can ask in that survey is an essay question. What is the mission of this organization? Or something like, where do you think we're going in the next 12 months? If your wow. team can't answer that, you have not explained <laughs> yeah. it well enough. Yeah. 
And you need to know that. That's you the do, thing. You need is to that know it. Yeah, it you, may you be know. hard, but you actually you have to know. You have to know. Otherwise, you're missing the whole point of yeah. why you exist. And David really vulnerably shares the experience. Here he is, a survey guy of sending out one of these surveys and finding out his team didn't. They knew where they were going in five years, but not where they were going in twelve. Wow. And so he did something about it. And we can't do that without survey. So here's the thing. We're actually going to do this for this podcast. Yeah. yeah our <laughs> listeners can. And this again. We're going to eat the food is this we cook. Be, right? This may be harsh, but hopefully we'll get some good response and even be able to improve this. Is we want to do a survey for our listeners, which is at buildingastorybrand.com slash survey. Right. And you can go and fill out that survey about us. And tell us what you like about what's going on and what more you would like to hear so that we can, can continue we to improve please this. please put a question in there that just says, Team JJ or Team Don? No, yes, no, come on. no, no, I don't want to hurt <laughs> you your feelings. You know you're going to win. I know, I don't want to hurt your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I think we could sell t-shirts with no, your face on no. it. No, I've done that before, and it, it's not, it's a little overwhelming to walk down the street and see. I it. know you'd win, too. <laughs> and so, But I think, I, I'd no, love to just see it. we are not it. doing that. Yeah, We're not doing I'd love that. to see no. it. All right. Well, regardless, please go take the survey. Uh, but anyway, this interview with David Kimmon, I think, is a gem. He's a great guy. He knows what he's doing. President of Barna Group. You can learn more about David and all the ways he can help your company at Barna.com. But for now, let's go to the interview with David Kenneman. David Kinneman, thanks for joining me. I'm happy to be here, Don. Well, listen, you have interviewed more than a million people. You've surveyed more than a million people getting their opinion. And... Our listeners are mostly leaders, a lot of them running sub $5 million companies, who are just now starting to think about sending out surveys, querying their customers. And you're obviously, as president of the Barna Group, you're a big believer in listening to your customer and asking them important questions. Because we do this, I want you to talk my listeners into it. Why do they need to do this? Well, I think research is so awesome. It's one of the few things that human beings have invented that actually helps us get outside of our very limited, finite brains. Yeah. Uh, survey research is is incredibly limited, just like any other field or industry. Uh, but when it's done correctly, it at its best can really help us see someone else's perspective, understand the language people are using about themselves, about the products or services. Uh, that they like. Um, and it helps us as business leaders actually get clear about the people that we're serving. Talk to me about, you've worked with a lot of business leaders. Tell me a story about somebody who thought the market wanted this and discovered the market wanted something else and probably saved them a lot of money or they made a lot of money pivoting their product launch. Well, I think that's the, the key about research is that it should help you limit your risk or take advantage of opportunities uh, sometimes there's a real gut sensibility to that. I mean, you, you, you know, we all right. have heard those famous phrases about, you know, if I asked a customer what they wanted, they would have said they want a different color. But I think good research is more about a posture of listening and understanding the marketplace that's both some quantitative data, qualitative data, your instincts as a leader. Essentially, all of the clients that we work with come at these things with a certain hypothesis. Hey, if we build this new product, if we market this new film, if people are going to respond to this new program, this new curriculum, um, you know, how, how successful could it be? I, I remember very distinctly working on a project where we had a client that was very interested in a new product line. They had the idea that the marketplace would be very receptive to it. Luckily, they paid money to get the research done. 
The bad news was that the data came back and it had a lot of headwinds. It suggested that it would be very difficult for them to find the kind of market positioning that they wanted. Hmm. And they still went forward with it, but they ended up being more careful about the amount of money they spent on that venture. And it, it didn't work. Um, you know, they should have listened to the research, but they were also able to limit their risk and they didn't, you know, sort of bet the farm on that particular initiative. Right. You know, it's really, really one of the most interesting things is usually entrepreneurs or business owners get into this because they do understand at a gut level that there is some missing piece, you know, th that they could provide. It's a, it's a new service, a new product, a new way of thinking about um, a particular place in the market. And what happens, though, is that the more successful they are, often they end up running on their instincts, I think, past the point of no return. It's like, oh, I know how to do this. I know how to speak right. to this. But yeah. one of the most important parts about research at kind of whatever stage of a business you are is that the discipline of it helps you understand how to serve that customer. Hmm. And I mean, I, I, you know, I bought the business from the founder of this company, George Barn, about seven years ago. And it's very interesting how the more successful you are, the more you think it's because of what you're doing, not who you're doing it for. Hmm. And good survey research um, should help you really get focused in on that customer. Who's our customer? What do they consider value? How are they thinking about the world? And you know, you need to stay in constant communication with customers to understand how they're relating to you, how they're organizing around other competitive products. Um, you know, you just you can't guess at that. It's too important. Yeah. Well, we're trying to convince business leaders of the importance of doing an end-of-year survey. One of the things that we wanted to put on their checklist, you know, it's just before Christmas, so they're about to wind down and take some time off. But as they ramp the office back up toward the end of the year and the beginning of next year, a great move would be to send out a survey. What sort of questions, of course, we're dealing with plumbers, we're dealing with financial advisors, we're dealing with lawyers, we're dealing with real estate agents, we're dealing with dentists. But what sort of questions would any kind of business need to ask their customer in order to get information that they can use to plan the following year? Well, you know, we researchers have come up with all sorts of interesting ways of, of asking questions. I mean, the typical survey that we run is something like 60 or 75 questions, which, you know, may be too long for the typical application. But it's interesting how, how much customers want to share their opinions. Um, you know, often if it's long enough, we'll give people a small incentive. And by the way, this is one of the the great mistakes that people make is that they think they need to interview every customer or right. a huge number of customers to get good data. But the idea of sampling is you can get a hundred customers or even a few dozen customers and get more information than, than you would if you just guessed at it. And so the, the kinds of questions that you'd want to ask in, in the field of satisfaction research now, the most important thing to ask is what's called the net promoter score. How likely would somebody be to recommend you or your service or your product to one of their friends and then you do that on a four-point scale and then you wow. ask you know def definitely probably probably not or definitely not so that's basically checking your blood pressure right just seeing if people are happy with your product that's exactly right yeah because net promoter score i mean it's like the evangelism score it's basically would you be willing to tell somebody else about what we're doing for you and you only pay attention to the top response, the definitely, the people that say, I would definitely do that. And a good promoter score is going to be in the 50s or 60s. The great promoter scores are in the 70s or 80s. I mean, 70, or, 70 or 80 percent of people who are who would say yes, I want to Correct. promote it. Okay. Definitely, that they would definitely promote it. So that's the most important question that I would recommend a small business owner asking, you know, how likely would you be to recommend 
you know, our product or service in the next 12 months to a friend. Um, definitely, probably, probably not, or definitely not. And that's the most important thing. What do you do if you get back an 80%, an astronomical score? And what do you do if you get back a 26%? Yeah. I guess you, you pop open the hood, right? And make sure and see what's, what's going on in the carburetor. Well, first, this is one of the key ideas of tracking. So, you know, it's great if you could track this either quarterly or annually, depending gotcha. on the cycles of your, of your business. So part of it is not to get too high or too low. You know, if you get an 86, then you should shoot for a 90 next year or you should look at other ways that you might be trying to create a certain sort of experience for people. So that we just talked about the most important question, which is this net promoter score. But there could be other questions about what are the feelings or what are the experiences or what are the qualities that your brand is creating for people. And you could actually measure those, right? So there's five things we're really trying to, to hit home in terms of customer service or experience or timeliness. And so then tracking those over time can be just invaluable to seeing where things might be heading. Um, like, hey, our, our timeliness to delivery is actually beginning to decline compared to all of our other scores. And those can be good leading indicators. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because, because you're talking about, you know, I anticipated going into this interview using surveys the way we use surveys where we're accumulating data, accumulating information that we then turn into marketing collateral or create new products with. What you're describing, though, is a dashboard that tells you when the warning lights come on. Exactly. I've never thought about using surveys that way. It's interesting. Yeah, it's one of the most classic ways that people use it. We do quite a bit of work for various studios uh, here in the Los Angeles area. And so when movies come out, there is a tremendous amount of dashboarding around um, whether people are interested in seeing the film and what pings for people. And almost all of the way that big studios will market big film projects to movie consumers theater goers is based on this basically net promoters who are like how likely are you to go see it how likely would you be to recommend it to your friends mm. and they just pay attention to that and all that dashboarding helps them understand you know if they have a, a movie that's you know coming in at 40 percent or 30 percent it's like man this is not going to do as well that people aren't going to go see it right um, but yeah i think this idea of dashboarding is very important and you're also raising another point which is that you can also do a lot of new product research or understanding how to language certain things. Those might be open-ended questions. Tell us about some of the things. Tell us about your best experiences with our company. Tell us about your worst experiences with our company. How can we serve you better? Those kinds of questions can also right. help you get a really clear vision of who your customer is. Great. And any other questions that you think should be on an end of your survey specifically? Um, well, I think this idea of, of boiling down, you know, you could look at your core values as a company and ask people to rank how well they would see you as, you know, for, for Barna, we talk about being bold and, you know, like how, how bold did you experience, um, you know, the company in this year. So there's a ways you might look at certain things you're trying to measure or track. Certainly demographics are very critical. You know, is your, is your customer pool getting older? Are they married or, you know, certain sort of demographic features? One of the key ideas um, to point out as we talk about demographics is it's very important to assure people of their confidentiality as a survey participant. Hmm. You should never use like one of the prime directives of survey research is you don't use it for lead generation. So you shouldn't ask, hey, you know, do you have an email where we can follow up on some of your great product ideas so we can just sell those things to you? And you'll get better answers if you promise and maintain people's confidentiality as a respondent. Yeah, because I think a lot of people do use surveys as a lead generator. They sure do. And it gives us <laughs> people who do it for more science reasons uh, a bad name. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some examples of how you've had clients use the data to adjust their messaging, pivot their marketing, 
that kind of thing. How do we use this data once we get it? And I realize I'm asking the person who collects the data that, uh, but I would imagine that you've seen clients do things and you've even turned data into books yourself. What do we do with the data? Well, a couple thoughts uh, on that, Don. Number one, it's certainly a skill set to know how to use customer information. And I would argue that it's one of the most important skill sets that good entrepreneurs will need Mm -hmm. in order to not only grow their business, but to compete in a complex and crowded marketplace where everything is up for grabs and you can't count on things being the way they were the last year, right? Just look at social media, look at the way the whole segments of the economy are being redefined in every two to three to four years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a good entrepreneur has to use customer data. You have to have a great gut, great instincts, you know, be clear, decisive leader, all the things we might characterize good leadership, but you also have to be really good at, at using data and understanding your customer. So number one, it's something you get better at with time. So even if you don't make all the right choices this year when you're doing your customer survey, you know, just use it as a practice session to keep right. getting better at it. Yeah. Um, and then secondly, you know, we were just in a session on Friday with one of our clients and we did some messaging research for them looking at um, one of their new products and you know, we realized that a lot of their customers had greater belief in the product than the organization had. And so they <laughs> that's were a nice, they that's were, a nice revelation. <laughs> they were trying to convince people to go do this particular thing in the marketplace. And it was like, no, actually, people already believe in this. You just have to tell them that it's available in certain ways that you have to make it just really clear. Like sometimes yeah. we put the, sh- the cookies at a higher shelf than our customer is actually asking us. And sometimes that's around who we think are. It's like the, not exactly our customers, it's our friends, how we talk about our product or how we talk about our service. And so sometimes we have to be even more plain and clear in what it is that we do and how we do it. So that was one example. It was, it was actually just really helpful to that client that the customer research was coming back. Like, no, just, just tell us that this new product is going to be available and we'll be happy to go check it out. There you go. Well, you've got a book coming out called Barna Trends 2017. In the book, you talk about what's going on in culture, what consumers are looking for, and what employees are looking for, what team members are looking for in their workplaces. Anything sticking out of that book that you think we should know about? Well, one of the cool things about it is an overview of all the research we've done in the last year or so. And so it's just a pretty cool magazine style book that helps you look at a lot of different cultural trends. One of the, the interesting things that I think would be relevant to your your business listeners is this notion of the difference between good and bad leadership. And so we actually went through a whole series of questions around when a person works with a good leader, they're much more likely to say they enjoy going to work each day, their work makes a difference in the world, they feel empowered to be a leader themselves at work. And then we also compared that to people that work for bad leaders. And um, it was pretty fascinating because you know, some days at work don't get their maximum effort. Mm. If you work for a good leader, half of people say that's true, 47%. If you work for a bad leader, three in four people say they don't give their maximum effort at work. Yeah, makes sense. They often feel distracted at work when they're working for a, a poor leader. This is really interesting. The two biggest gaps between good and bad leaders was that in bad leadership environments, they say that people often misrepresent the truth at their workplace. Hmm. Uh, and, then, and then number two, they feel a lot of negative energy in the workplace when they work for a bad leader. So the impact uh, of bad leadership is just really, really critical. And, and actually, you know, on this idea of how do we use surveys, I mean, another way you can use a year-end survey is with your employees, with the, with the team, oh, again, yeah. in a confidential yeah. way. Mm-hmm. And you just say, hey, you know, how clear are you 
about where we're going in 2017. Mm. Um, I mean, like I said a few minutes ago, you know, I'm about seven years into running this business and I'm learning so much about leadership and other things. And this year, last June, we had this great time as a leadership team where we were just talking about what we're doing. And people said, listen, we all believe in you, Dave, but we're not really 100% clear of what we're doing in the next 12 months. Yeah. Like, you have great vision for, but it's not it's not getting out of your head onto the whiteboards or onto like which plans. you probably wouldn't have known that you've probably mentioned it three or four times and you thought it had been communicated, but it wasn't communicated. I, I deal with that all the time, where I I think something has been communicated, but I didn't do it in a in a formal enough way that everybody heard it. Yeah, it actually took me aback because I felt like, man, I've been talking about where we're going for a long time. And everyone said, hey, we, we actually understand more about where we're going in the next five years mm -hmm. than we know about where we're going in the next 12 months. Wow. And, and so that kind of feedback is invaluable. It sometimes hurts. But um, that's to me what I'm most passionate about in this conversation is like, how do we get honest feedback from the people we serve and lead from our customers? How do we take that feedback? Uh, because the best kind of feedback is going to have some really good glimmers of truth, some some good points, but also some tough stuff for us to swallow. And then when we manage to that reality, when we say, listen, I, I have a lot of vision in my head, but I'm not actually pulling it off in the way that everyone's getting, what do I need to do to, to change about that? And so we've instituted an executive leadership team, di a different way of communicating with the team. We're doing more, more weekly updates with the various team. And so, so, you know, how do we take that truth and internalize it and make a difference for ourselves as a leader for what we're doing? Yeah, we did the same thing. We did a survey recently and discovered that we had a great places to work metric. Everybody loved coming to work and had a lot of fun. But there were just a few areas we needed to work on, including the fact that we just don't talk about conflict very much. We just kind of brush it under the rug and keep going and do smiley, happy things. And But it was amazing as the leader to see that and now be aware of it. And I think since we did that survey, maybe three months ago, I would say we've just had 100% growth in our ability to sit down and talk about hard things. It's only affected our culture and made it stronger. And so I'm, I'm a big proponent of what you're talking about. I didn't even think about when I called you for the interview, actually sending a survey to your staff. Now, how can they do that? We've got some big companies that might just hire you to do that, which would be well worth it. Let's say I've got a staff of, of 25 people. How do I do this in such a way that my staff would know that it's anonymous, that they can be protected? Well, there's plenty of different tools out there. I mean, SurveyMonkey and other things can, you know, make it pretty straightforward to program a little survey and get that out there. But it doesn't have to be very complicated in that you could also just have people, you know, choose a person on the team who's uh, going to put a, you know, a sort of cone of silence around the the responses that you might get back, even through a simple paper and pencil survey or through a little, you know, Word document that you send around. You have three qu yeah. questions like, yeah. you know, what are the three questions that would help you lead your team better if you knew the answers about what the team writ large was going to need in order to fulfill the functions of, of your vision for the next year? Well, even just um, if you could probably just ask, what's the vision? Where is this company going? And ask people to reiterate it. And if they can't, you know, you haven't communicated. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. All of a sudden, I got I got a great idea for a question I'm going to ask our team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just love this kind of conversation because, as I said at the very outset, one of the things that's so fun about research is um, a lot of industries are around trying to sell something that may or may not be true, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> or you know, at, at its best, you know, marketing at its best is telling the very truest thing about your product or service. Mm. And so, research is absolutely your ally. Um, and it's interesting because we talk a lot here internally about the kinds of studies that people actually just don't want us to even 
they don't even want us to go do um, you know th different projects where we actually begin to hear from key leaders, big organizations or big structures or whatever, where people actually they actually sabotage the fact-finding mission right from the very beginning. It's like a movie. They don't even realize they're doing it. It's like, hey, we want to go discover this because wouldn't you want to know the answer? And it's, you know, it's a really important question for our day. And people will say, no, we're not actually really interested in, in that finding. Or they invent, well, you know, we're, we're too busy. We don't have the budget. We had this one project we were, we were putting out um, earlier in the year. I intentionally did this because we, we went at it. At first, it was like a $100,000 survey. It was a huge, huge ask mm -hmm. for these different organizations. And a bunch of people said, no, no, we're just not interested. You know, they serve thousands of leaders. And I thought this would be like a no-brainer for them. We changed the pricing on it. And we said, listen, we'll do this for $5,000. And if you really ask, we'll just do it for free because we think it's that important. And Don, we had none of these different organizations wow. came back to us. And do you said, think yeah, they just we'll didn't want to find out that they were sick or didn't want to find yeah, out that their yeah. leadership wasn't good? Yeah, that's the reason because Unbelievable. their whole mission isn't around trying to actually understand the reality of the leaders that they serve. It's more of a, a diplomatic relationship where they're, you know, they're doing their very best uh, just to keep, kind of keep the wheels on. Yeah. And um, there's all sorts of interesting dynamics. If you're really committed to truth as a leader, you will find there's all sorts of interesting dynamics that sabotage your pursuit of that truth. Mm. Survey research is one tool that can help you if you design it correctly, where you say, hey, listen, here are the rules. We're going to be confidential about this. Uh, you know, you can suggest questions. You might ask your leadership team, what questions should we ask our customers that you want to know? Yeah. And then you, you commit to the process of an open and transparent reporting of that finding. So you're not going to bury the findings as a leader so that nobody in the team can, can see what you discovered. Um, and so there's different ways that you can be very committed to this kind of process of survey research that makes your organization that much healthier. And as I said, I think the very best leaders in today's um, marketplace are those that commit themselves to that kind of survey process, to that Just kind of truth-telling process. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, David, this has been a terrific interview. I, I so appreciate your time. I think people are going to get a lot from this, including the commitment to start listening. You know, it's a big paradigm shift here at StoryBrand is that we want to understand people's internal fears. We want to understand people's external fears in order to talk to them. And so 90% of that is just listening. And one of the best ways we can do that is to do surveys. Like you said, there are smaller ways to do it. SurveyMonkey, a lot of tools online. But if we want somebody to, uh, on a larger scale, find out what our customers are thinking or what our team is experiencing, uh, we can contact you. And I so appreciate your time. Thanks, Don. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. We have a special gift for you. Yes. It's December 19th. It's the week before Christmas. <laughs> we know that you're about to wind down. Hopefully, mm -hmm. you turn off your brains for about a week. Yes, and, please. And uh, stop thinking about your business for a second and just start thinking about your family and the meaning behind this season. And we wanted to bring in a friend to read a story to you. My friend Al Andrews is yes. here. Al, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Al is everybody's friend. Like he is, he is well, just almost. that guy. <laughs> I think everybody thinks you're their friend because you are. I'm going to gush a little bit here, Al, uh -huh. because Al is like one of those people who everybody feels connected to, just has a very tender heart, is very kind, a little sarcastic at times, but <laughs> that's why I love him. He's like your favorite uncle that you want around all the time. That's right. Yeah. He, he is deeply connected in this town. Yeah. Al is a therapist 
to mostly celebrity singer songwriter type of folks. Not necessarily celebrity, that, but, but like the artists. people who have a lot on their shoulders. Yeah, that would be true. And you know, record companies pay you to make sure their talent stays sane. Is that a fair way of saying oh, it? Oh, kind of. I have a nonprofit and they contribute they greatly contribute to, to my nonprofit, nonprofit <laughs> to make He sure has one of the best. Here's how here's his connection to story and storytelling. There's a few. Uh, but you do a, a thing called Evening of Stories mm-hmm. in Franklin, Tennessee every year. Yeah. It's a fundraiser for your organization that provides therapy to folks. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the highlights of the year. You bring ah, in thanks. three different kinds of storytellers, usually a poet, a singer, and a narrative storyteller, mm-hmm. and you create this wonderful tapestry of an evening. That story brand buys a table because we just love it so much. <laughs> it's great. It's awesome. But you are also an author, and you have written. A, you are a Christmas author. <laughs> yes, I am. Do you like that label? <laughs> At Christmas time, I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, if I want to do something else, it's kind of a label. But yes, I love. You have a being beautiful a book author. called "A Walk One Winter Night." Yes. And we actually have a case, and every overnight guest this time of year who comes through our house, they, they get to leave with mm-hmm. a copy of it yeah. signed by you. It's a wonderful book. We'll talk about where you can get that later. But you've written a new Christmas story. I have. And I we have. thought maybe you would be willing to debut this beautiful, wonderful Christmas story on the Building a Story Brand yes, podcast. Yes, please. You know, what better place to debut a story? As a gift here. to our listeners. I, I yeah. think it's terrific. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Al Andrews, Christmas author extraordinaire, <laughs> our very own American Charles Dickens. I, I think it's safe to say that. Mm, very uh, safe. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Al, what's the story called? Uh, the story is called The Tiniest Bell, and then the oh, subtitle sweet. is oh. A Timeless Christmas Tale. Yay, I love it All already. Right. Well, let's hear it. Warm Springs is an odd name for a town that is always white with snow. But someone named it that because you guessed it, there were natural warm springs in the middle of town. Nestled at the base of a small mountain, it was the last stop before the long, desolate road that led to the North Pole. It was a place known as a respite from the bitter cold and a popular resort for the workers from Santa's workshop. From December 26th through February 1, the workshop's off-season, the warm pools were filled with elves wearing their elfin swimwear. Some of them didn't wear elfin swimwear, but I won't get into that. St. Nick, however, was not to be found in Warm Springs. He and Mrs. Claus preferred Hot Springs, which was 20 miles up the road and far more exclusive. The Easter Bunny stayed there too. In fact, Santa had never ever been to Warm Springs until one Christmas Eve when he, of all people, went shopping. A bell had fallen off one of the harnesses of the lead reindeer. Santa, a stickler for detail, went in search of a replacement bell. He tried to have one overnighted from his usual supplier, but that particular bell, known as the 501D, was back-ordered. One of the elves, a longtime worker in shipping and handling, heard that Santa was in a snit over the lost bell and told the not-so-jolly old man about the bell shop over in Warm Springs. Bob's Bells had been in business for over 40 years and boasted the world's largest collection of bells. If you need a bell, go to Bob's, said the commercial, and the commercial was right. There were bells of every size for every occasion. There were cow bells, calf bells, and bull bells. There were hand bells for Baptist churches and huge bells for towers. There were bells for dancers and bells for dinner time. And there were even sleigh bells. Imagine Santa's excitement when he heard the news. But before I tell you about Santa's shopping trip, there's another story I must tell you. 
It's the story of the tiniest bell. Sitting on a shelf lost in a corner of the bell store was the tiniest bell you've ever seen. It was about the size of the fingernail on your pinky finger. The tiniest bell had been on the shelf for many years, hoping to be bought by someone who would love to ring him every day. But he was always passed over for larger bells that, by the way, made fun of him as they were taken to the cash register. Goodbye, little pipsqueak, they'd say. See you later, beller, they'd call out to him as someone took them out of the shop. The cowbells were the worst. They said things like, looks like you're not going to move out of here today, which they thought was so funny, but no one else did. One year, around Christmas time, one by one, the bells in the store were sold. Every time someone came in, the tiniest bell would hope to be chosen. Visitor after visitor came and went, but no one chose him. Instead, they would pass over him for a larger bell. By Christmas Eve, every bell in the store had been sold, every bell except the tiniest bell. He was left on the shelf all by himself. Never had he felt so lonely and useless. At closing time on Christmas Eve, just as Bob was turning out the lights to go home, there was a knock at the door. When Bob opened it, a strong wind blew a wave of snowflakes in, followed by Santa Claus himself. How can I help you? asked Bob, stunned by the presence of his special guest. I need a bell for my sleigh, said Santa. You see, I've lost one of the main bells on Prancer's harness, and we've got to get going. The littlest bell couldn't believe his tiny ears. It's my Christmas miracle. This is my special day. This is my destiny. I've waited all my life for this. He could hardly contain himself. First there was Rudolph, and now there is me, he exclaimed, hardly able to stand it. I'm sorry, Mr. Claus, but we're all out of bells. There are no bells left, except, he paused as he picked up the bell, for this tiny bell. It is the last one in the store, but I really believe it's too small. Santa walked over to Bob and took the tiny bell from his hand. The tiniest bell held his breath and looked into the twinkling eyes of the most generous man on earth. Santa drew his hand close to his face and looked at the little bell, turning him around and around in his large, warm hands. He was quiet for a moment, and then with his kind and gentle voice, said to the shop owner, You're right. It's too small. The end. <laughs> what? What in the world? No! No! That's a ridiculous story! That's a, that's a ridiculous story! What is wrong with you? I know. I know. I, I'm so I sorry. That story. Do you read that to your clients? Well, no, no. Well, if I want them to stick around, I do. I no. Gosh, that's my fa new favorite Christmas oh, well, story. That's nobody's <laughs> favorite story. That is a horrible. I know. I'm so sorry. Are you sorry. here to workshop the ending of your story? <laughs> it was. It was a perfect story. I, well, I wrote it after the end of a really bad shopping day. Yeah, obviously, I did. Really bad something. I know. And, 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 I, and then I decided 
this is something I needed to write for my teenage sons. Yes. And they loved it, by the way. Uh, I'm sure they loved it. Back yeah. then. I love it. That was so Oh, my ago. gosh. This is my favorite. Oh, gosh. Well, this thank truly you. is a timeless Christmas story. <laughs> I, can, I can think of other endings. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm to hear The bell falls in love with another bell, mm -hmm. and Santa wants the bell, but the bell's going to stay Bo with ring. the bell. That I'll ring. I'll sound like a bell. ring. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, hear, let's, hear, let's hear another one. <laughs> oh, that's been done. This what one has not been done. The bell had a pitch that wouldn't disturb the reindeers, and the other bell <laughs> oh was agitating gosh. the reindeers, and they couldn't get to Kansas because they were they they were just at they were having a mental breakdown. But this bell uh, didn't oh. agitate the reindeer. Oh, the better and got to be used. Another one is he just Santa drops it and accidentally steps on it. <laughs> yeah. that's that's my kind of story. That's no? my kind of story. Oh. Yeah, oh yeah, there you go. There you go. Oh well. well, what we intended as a gift. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that one's gonna keep on giving. I will tell you that right now. <laughs> uh, this has not been published, by the way. Yeah. This will yeah. not be. Published. I don't think it will. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I've shopped it around, but everyone has said thanks. Uh, no thanks. Yeah. No, <laughs> uh, I hope people transcribe it and tell it to their children for years to come. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they will. <laughs> yes. Luckily, though, this is not for those who did not, you know, appreciate the Christmas spirit for which that was intended. Al has another Christmas book that you are going to love. Um, does not end the same way. It's a very different book. It's called A Walk One Winter Night, and it's not too late to get a copy to have it arrive in time before Christmas. You can order it on Amazon.com. Al, thanks so much for coming in today. I loved this. I think our listeners are going to love this, and um, they will definitely like A Walk One Winter Night, so we'll make sure everybody gets to that. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks so much for having me, guys. This has been a lot of fun. Well, this has been an awesome podcast. Yes, so fun. <laughs> it's funny that you had the sort of cynical response to <laughs> Al's, because you're the Christmas night. <laughs> I am. And I'm like, poor, uh, poor Jingle Bell. I know, but I thought it was so funny. But again, I love tradition. And if this becomes a part of my tradition... That's what makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm going to lose sleep tonight about that poor oh, little no. bell. <laughs> and so, because uh, uh -huh. we don't want to end on a cynical note. No, you know, we, no, no. We've sort of introed and outroed this podcast for a long time with the music of Andrew Bell. Yes. And Andrew Bell, he's a great friend of our producer, Tim yeah, Schur. Yeah. And he's become a friend of ours. He actually yes. came over to the house and did a little impromptu concert yes. on our back porch. It was a magical <laughs> night. So fun. And Andrew has a new single out, and uh -huh. it's a Christmas single. Yes. And it's called Back for Christmas. Yeah. And we would normally just play a little bit as we fade out. But we actually just wanted to play the whole song yep. for you. Uh, we love Andrew. We love his music. I think he's just unbelievably gifted. Yes. And we want to play this little song called Back for Christmas. That's how we're going to say adios for yes. Christmas. Uh, but... Keep paying attention because we actually have one more podcast before the end of the year, and it's the best of 2016. Yeah. Yeah, I just recorded this last week. You were uh -huh. out of town, uh -huh. and so I had to record it by myself. We missed you very much. Uh, thank you. And we just played clips of the most tangible, tactical teaching moments from some of our favorite episodes. If you want to just get a recap and also get practical stuff on growing your business, yeah. listen to the next episode of yeah. the Building a Story Brand podcast. We're not quite done for the year. No. That one's coming up. But for now, thanks as always for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Christmas. All right. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs>